Again, we're glad you're here tonight. If you want to take your Bibles, please, and turn to Matthew 25. We're going to look at the parable of the talents tonight. Um, David laughed at my title. It's on the website. I, didn't use, I don't know how to use it, but it was like, you've got talent. You know, like Americans got talent. That was kind of catchy. But anyway, um, first off, some really, really un- unbelievably good news. This morning, I can't give you the exact number because I forgot, but I think we had like 416 in worship this morning. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I tell you what. I don't know what the world God is doing, but I just hope we don't get in the way. That's all. I'm serious at the hard time. Going, okay, God, I do not know what you're doing, but thank you very much for doing it. Please keep us out of the way, and you work. And then I want to, along with that thought, that was the good news, and the bad news was, and I'm using this now, I'm not looking for your sympathy tonight, I'm not looking for you to go, oh, Brother Dwayne, um, but that was absolutely the worst introduction to a sermon I think I've ever done. I mean, what, let me tell you what happened because it fits in with what I'm trying to say tonight. I'm not telling you that just to tell you that I messed up this morning. Um, but, you know, it's one of those days like you heard the prayer time. We have, you know, every time, you know, I said, Brother Wayne, you pray for this, pray for this. Brent came over, you know, and was sharing with me and a couple of things. And, and the last thing he shared with me was, he, you know, I told him, I said, now there's a really good chance that Blakely Joe's going to be in church today. And so at the announcement time, you need to announce that Blakely Joe's here and we're glad and you know, the parents and all that, you know, we need to do all that. He said, yeah, no problem, wrote it down. Well, the only problem is they didn't come in until late. So it was after his announcement time. So he comes over and says, they just came in. So I'm like, wow, okay, okay. So I've got to announce the baby. I'm just, you, you understand what goes in my brain up there on worship. So so you probably know, Dave, I really, you can ask, he looks, I usually really enjoy my worship this morning. I'm writing notes. And so I'm writing all these notes down. Remember, pray for this, remember, pray for this, remember, pray for this. Don't forget Blakey Joe. Remember this, remember this, don't remember, don't forget Blakely Joe. Remember this, remember this, don't. And so I'm doing all this. And so when I get up there, I'm just disemblogitated. I don't know what that means, and I'm not sure what I meant this morning either. And uh, so, so rather than saying, I, I want to say, like, good morning, we're glad you're here. Kind of got that halfway out. I was going to introduce the baby, you know. And then we're going to say we're in the middle of a series, and we changed the sermon. And, um, you know, because of the, the scripture needed to be different, you know, and and then we're going to launch into to, uh, Julie Andrews and the Sound of Music. I mean, it was all right in my head until I got up there and, and I got the series part. And then I got Blakely Joe halfway in the middle. And it all just came out fragmented and unfocused. And I said, oh, my goodness. I got home. I told Judy. I said, Judy, that was absolutely the worst introduction to a message I think I've ever done before. It wasn't intentional. I just got my focus taken off. And what I want to tell you is this. That can happen in our Christian walk. We can have all the good intentions in the world, but if we are not careful, we will get unfocused. And this the greatest thing that God has called us to. And that is living for the glory of his kingdom. I really, really hope you got this morning that you are a masterpiece. That, that you're one of God's favorite things as his child, as his child, as a blood child. And as you understand that, you reflect that love back. And in, in, in acts of service and love and praise and gratitude present your body. I hope you got all that home. But there really is, in the Matthew 25, we've got this wonderful uh, parable that Jesus teaches about talents. And we've, we've all heard it probably once or twice before. And I'd like to share it again tonight because it really is a reality, both sides. There's, there's a wow factor, Jennifer. There's a wow factor in this, but there's also a woe factor in this. And I just want to make sure as your pastor, first for me, okay, but secondly for you, that at, at this time, when this time comes for the rewards to be handed out for faithful service, that we have the wow factor, not the woe factor. And it's very, very crucial. In fact, in this particular opportunity tonight, it's very important we don't have the woe factor. 
Um, so, I, so in Matthew chapter 25, there's no doubt the context of this. Jesus gives about three parables dealing with the end times and his departure and what he expects and all those different things. And there's no doubt the context of this. This is not we're wondering, is this what he meant or what he meant? He really is telling us we have an opportunity to see what Jesus teaches in story format. A parable is a story that teaches a truth, okay, that he's making up as he goes, but it teaches an important truth. So in Matthew chapter 25, we have this parable, what we call the parable of the talents. Now, we, again, we naturally assume that the word talents, as we use it today, is I've got the talent to sing, I've got the talent to teach. Uh, those, and that's how we kind of heard it said, you know, don't bury your talents. If you've got this, you know, we all heard it. You know, preachers, if you can sing, you want to sing. If you can get in the choir, you need to get in the choir. Don't bury your talents. Well, really, that is not what Jesus is saying. In fact, the, word, the Greek word for talent literally means silver money. Silver money. And the commentary said it was between, we really don't know, between 58 and 80 pounds. So one talent was between 58 and 80 pounds of silver. So what, what the Lord is doing is handing out these money responsibilities to people to be used for his honor and for his glory. So, so please don't think it's that. I mean, it's nice. It preaches nice. And, you know, about not, y'all saying, you know, I bet many a worship leader has said, you need to inquire using it for a basis. Don't bury your talent. But it really is not what Jesus is saying. But what he is saying is this. In verse number 14, Matthew 25. For the kingdom of heaven, and I pause there and I simply said this. The kingdom of heaven, kingdoms need a king. And we have a king. And his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, come on, come on, come on, come on. You can say amen there. Amen? I mean, we have a king. We have a resurrected Savior. We have a victorious, all-powerful king. Kingdoms need a king, and we have one, and we've got to make sure we remember it is the Lord Jesus Christ. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. Now, Jesus is looking forward, not very far, just a few days, perhaps ten days, looking into the time when he's going to die, and then later on going to resurrect. On third day resurrect, and then later on, he's going to ascend to heaven. So this is the story. The man in this story is Jesus Christ. And the servants are us. More specifically, the disciples, but in the bigger picture, it is us. So it's like the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. He called his own servants and delivered whose goods? His goods. Now write that down. Now, now circle that. I think we wrestle with this. Um, and I do. I do. You know, I told you all about my little kitty fund, that we have the, the general budget fund. And, and when God blesses and, you know, I have a funeral or something like that, and I get an honorary or something, then, then we decide that kind of money goes in a little kitty fund. And that's kind of like my money to do what I want to when it comes, of course, under God's guidance. Um, but, you know, like if I want you to have a new gadget or something, that's what that money is for. Okay? That's, quote, my money. Now, in a marriage, you want to make sure that you don't have my money in the sense of the budget. I really believe... Husband and wives are one, and the money should be one. That was free, didn't cost you a dollar. Okay? So, but notice who's good. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. The earth is the Lord, and the fullness thereof. I said this morning, man, I said it again tonight, everything you are, everything you will be, every talent, every ability, every dollar, every car, every house that you have, you have because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is hard for us to grasp. In fact, we kind of push back from that because we'll say, no, I did it. No, well, you may have done it, like I said this morning, but you did it by the grace of God active in your life. So he delivers then his goods unto the servants. And look what he says in verse 15. And to one, he gave five talents. Now, I'll let you do the math, okay, how much that is, how many poundage that is of silver. To one, he gave five talents. 
Then to another, he gave two talents. And then finally, to the third guy, he gave one talent. Now, the next phrase is hugely important because it says, to each one according to his own ability. So the master entrusted to his servants the amount of responsibility, the amount of money that they could manage effectively. Now, look me in the eye. What you need to understand is, as a believer in Jesus Christ, that same truth is still true. That God will never give you more than you can handle, nor give you less than you can handle. In the area of kingdom responsibility that this is talking about, God has gifted you in certain ways. God has given you gifts, talents, and abilities, and perhaps even a personality. And as God gifts you, then he gives you that ability to work in his kingdom. He will not give you more than you can handle. So as you seek out what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God that we talked about in Romans chapter 12, you can know for confident assurance that as you discover that, God will equip you as God has called you. God will equip you as God has called you. In spite of busy calendars and, and you know, insecurities and all those, if God calls you, he will equip you. So notice this, he gave one man five. And the reason you want to know why he gave that one man five? Because he could handle five. Now, the next feller wasn't as talented in that certain area, no pun intended, talented in that area. He could handle two, and guess what God gave him? Two. And the last guy can handle one. So understand that in the area of kingdom responsibilities, God has gifts. He has abilities for you. He wants you to use those gifts and abilities. And, and as you understand his will, his good and perfect will for you, then you can step out in faith and confidence knowing that God will not put more on you than you can handle, nor will he give you less than you can handle. The more, of course, helps our insecurities. The less helps our pride. Because sometimes we go, and why didn't they ask me to be a deacon? Why didn't they ask me to teach the class? Why didn't they da-da-da-da-da? Now, assuming that the, the committee was halfway guided by God, then perhaps God's saying, not now in your life. Sometimes you think you can handle more and you can't. Sometimes you can handle less, and you need to accept even that truth. So he delivers his goods to these guys, and then the Bible says, and immediately he went on a journey. Here's what happens. He said to them in Acts chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, it is not for you no, no times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then what happens? What happens in the next verse? And he ascends. He leaves. So, our Lord Jesus, speaking to his disciples, but speaking to the church in large, has, he's gone on a journey. And, and he's going to be gone a long time. We don't know how long. It's been 2,000 years already. But he's been gone a long time. But he's coming back. He's coming back. He's gone on a journey. But until he returns, he has entrusted each one of us with talents, with abilities and responsibilities that we can use for his kingdom. Y'all look back at our students back on the back row and some others. Y'all look at some senior adults. And listen, all of us, all of us, have been gifted with talents and abilities that he has given us to be used. So what is going to happen? What's going to happen? Well, in verse number 16, then, and I think the NIV brings it out really clear, um, immediately, the, the, the Greek supports the context that, that the, the, the guy that had the five talents didn't go, 
well, I wonder what we ought to do. Let's see, he's probably going to be gone a long time, so we've got a little while to work here. No, apparently, immediately, you know, not even waiting for the guy to leave, immediately, okay, the Bible says that he would receive the five talents, went and traded with them. And this apparently, and again, in the Greek, is not the idea of walking down to Farmer's Bank or the bank of your choice and, and saying, here, I've got this, this zillion pounds of silver. I want to put it in a, safe, you know, in, a, in a CD so that it will earn interest. Apparently, they opened, he opened a business. Okay, And with that business, sought to increase the goods that God had trusted with him. It wasn't a, it wasn't, watch, watch, watch. It wasn't a sit back, take it easy and go, let the money work for itself. He chose to take what he had and aggressively seek to multiply it for the kingdom. And that's what God has called us to do. As he's gifted and talented us, you don't sit back and say, well, let's just wait and see. We aggressively seek and do what God, God has called us to do with what he has given us. And guess what? He made five more talents. Now, I'm not really good at math, but if you have five and you get five, now this part I get. That means he doubled it, right? Okay. That also means, what percentage of profit did he have? 100%. Remember that, okay? 100%. He made 100% profit on his money. All right, then the Bible says, and likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. So almost the exact same happens. This guy's only got two, but he goes out and, again, doesn't sit back and go, well, let's see what happens. He doesn't go down to his bank and puts the money in the bank. Not at all. He, he starts a business of some sort seeking to advance what God has given him and making it multiply. And sure enough, he had two, now he has four, and he had 100% profit. Now, now, one of the commentaries brought this up, and I thought it was very good, and that is this, that each one of them, listen, each one of them lived up to 100% of their potential. What God saw in them, they lived up to 100% of their potential. What God equipped them for, they lived up to 100% of their potential. And you know what's really weird? I just want you to chew on this. Didn't find this in any book I read or anything like that. But <laughs> I never heard of you this. You have two people that lived up to 100% of the potential and, none, and one had none. There's no in-between. There's no 40%. There's no 60%. There's no 70%. It was like they lived up to 100% of their potential or they flatlined. I don't know what that means, but that's something worth chewing on. I wonder if it's possible that the norm really is 100%. I wonder if really the journey we're on as disciples of Jesus Christ, I wonder if that, that really is that God equips us and calls us and expects us to live up to 100% of our potential for his kingdom. Not to gain favor, not to gain salvation. But because we love him, all of us to be so radically in love with Christ, we realize the gifts he's given us, the abilities he's given us, and we exercise 100% of who we are into that. Does that make sense a little bit? Chew on that, research it, get on Google and check it out and see, see what you can come up with on that. So, so we have this. Now, let me ask you a question. If they had put it in a CD, now I, again, I don't, I don't have a lot of money in the first place, and I'm not sure I've got anything on a CD, but one thing I understand about CDs is they're safe. It's a certificate of deposit, and they guarantee a certain interest you're, you're going to get there. There's very little risk. But when you start a business and go into business, there's always risk in business. I want you to see the first two guys were willing to take a risk. God calls us to be willing to take a risk. Jim Elliott said, 
He is no fool to give up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool to give up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I'm here to tell you that as you are in this picture and as God calls you and, and gives you gives you to do the things of the kingdom, there's going to be risk involved. There, there may be times when your calendar is really full and you have to decide, is it golf or Jesus? It may be, there may be times when, is it studying or is it Jesus? Um, is it 30 minutes of extra sleep or is it Jesus? You may have times of risk like that. There may be a cost factor involved in that. I'm just going to tell you it's worth it all. We're going to see that in the story. It's worth it all. So one guy 100% of the profit, another guy 100% of the profit, and then we get to this third guy, the guy that flat, flatlined. Verse 18. But he who had received the one went and dug in the ground and hid, that's an interesting word, hid his Lord's money. So, so we have this other guy who only had one, and that says something perhaps of where he is, but he only got one anyway, and then he, he hides it. He, he buries it. And we're going to hear it in a while. He doesn't even put it in the bank. Like he hides it, and it's the exact opposite of what the other two did. Isn't that strange? Isn't that weird? Again, 100% potential realized flatline. Flatline. How incredibly weird is that? So, guess what happens? We don't know how long in the ark, because it's a parable. Jesus is making up as he goes. He's teaching the truth. He just simply says this. After a long time. By the way, it's been a long time. He who shall come will come. Don't know, not a prophet, not a son of a prophet, but Jesus Christ is coming back. And signs of the times, we see them revealed in the word of God. He's coming. He's coming. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and guess what? Settled accounts with them. This is that scripture we talked about. Um, I think it was last Sunday night. You know, the, the, uh, the judgment seat of Christ. Where's the time? There's a bema to determine rewards. So, so Paul talked about this in the, in the book of Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10. So the, the Lord comes back and does settle accounts to see what, they, what happened to what he invested. And there's a settling time for us. Again, take time to read 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 10. Well, here's how it goes. So he who had received the five talents came. And now, again, I don't think I'm trying to fish for things to, for the word of God to say. Notice it came and brought. Just follow that away. He came and brought the five other talents. So in one hand, he had the ones that he had been given. And the other hand, he had the ones he had earned for a total of ten. He, now, what's, follow that away. He brought it with him, saying, Lord. You delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five talents more beside them. So here we have that 100% potential realized. Look what God says. Look what Jesus says. Look what the Lord says. His Lord said to him, this is so good. This is what we want. This is what we throw around all the time. Well done. Don't you want to hear that? Come on now, don't you really? I, I don't know about you, but I'm a, you know, I think I'm multilingual. You know that five love language thing? I think I do all five. You, with me, you can't miss. You know? Um, but I, 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 I appreciate words of affirmation. And when someone says, you know, that, was a, that, that sermon touched my heart, it really speaks to my heart. Well, here, here we have it. We're hearing Jesus Christ say to one of his servants, well done. We should crave that. That's a good place for an amen. We should crave that. 
When, I think when the reality of meeting him face to face becomes real to us, in other words, it's not a pipe dream, it's not something we read about in scripture, it's somewhere in the future. When it becomes reality, we think about Jesus Christ, the one who died for us, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who spoke this world into existence, says to Dwayne Taylor or to Bruce or to Jim or to Bill or to Christian, well done. How incredible that would be. Look what he says. He says, you're a good, and there it is, faithful servant. The bottom line was, it wasn't that this guy had five and got five more, because we're going to see the guy with two gets the same words. It's faithfulness. Jesus, the Lord, looks at this person and says, you are faithful. Now let me ask you a question. Not, you know, we, we all can't sing. I can't play guitar. Uh, I can't play the piano. I can't cook. I obviously can't hang drywall either. There's a lot of things I can't do. And then you would say, well, Dwayne, in the church, there's just not a lot of things I can do. I really don't feel like I'm called to teach. I don't feel like I'm called to do this. I'm like, let me let me get what you can be. Are you ready? Faithful. Anybody can be faithful. You can be the most you know, untalented person in your own eyes. You can be faithful. And Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, and now I'm going to make you rule over many things. He said, because you were faithful that you did what I asked, well done. You're a good and faithful servant. I'm going to reward you with more responsibility. I'm going to trust you with more. And then he says, now listen, go ahead and you're into the joy of the Lord. Oh, that's what heaven's going to be like. The joy of the Lord. So then we got verse 22. He also who had received two talents came and said, look, Lord. You delivered to me two talents. Look, I gained two more. So just like the other guy, he brought the two he had, brought the two he had gained, and brought them to Jesus. And it's really amazing. It's very encouraging, after affirming what I said this morning. His Lord said to him, same words, well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Just like your buddy with five was faithful, you were faithful too. Now, you've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. It's amazing. You know, there's a lot of things about heaven I don't understand. I don't understand how God's economy, if you will, quote, unquote, works up there. But, but this reward idea is just huge. The idea of that in heaven our faithfulness will be rewarded. You know, all of us are going to heaven by God's grace if we trusted Jesus. Amen? That's how we're getting there. But somehow in God's economy, there's a way we can earn well-dones and, and, and rewards. I, there's a scripture, and it's kind of long. I want to read the whole thing to get to the last verse. Because I really don't want to bring it in the middle out of context. Okay? So that's why I'm reading my four verses. And this does not count for preaching the scripture. Because one day I really want to preach it. But also for this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, Dr. Benna, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren... Be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. And here's that verse 11. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly 
unto the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And in our serving the Lord, there's an abundance that is promised in our entrance into the kingdom. Lavish rewards for those who trust God. And, you know, I think it's funny, by the way. Let me just pause and, and just say something. I was listening to Paige Patterson, a great, great preacher, preach the word of God. And, you know, there's so many songs that have been written about the 24 elders who cast their crowns at Jesus' feet. And I bet 600 gospel songs have been written about, we will cast our crowns at Jesus' feet. And that's the only reference in the whole Bible about casting anything at, at the feet of Jesus. I don't know if we're going to keep our rewards. I don't know if I love we're going to cast our rewards. We'll just have to wait and see. But the bottom line is, for the ones who are faithful, there's this reward factor going on. It's just an incredible, incredible thing. Now, in verse 24, the music changes. If you were in a theater, you'd hear, because the Bible says, then, then he who had received the one talent came. And said, now listen, listen to the difference in the tenor of his words and the tone of his voice versus the ones who were faithful. Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent into the ground. Look, now I want you to remember what I told you. Look. There you have what is yours. Now, how do the other guys come to the master? Five in one hand, five in the other, two in one hand, two in the other. Where's this guy's talent? Still buried. Still buried. Now, we're going to see in just a moment, there's something going on here. More than, more than just, apparently, he so misunderstood the, past, the, uh, the master's heart. He so misunderstood God's heart. And I had... I just had to think about grace and the law. You know, two of them were, were uh, in hopes of pleasing the master. They were willing to take a risk to please the master. And this guy with the one, he was afraid of failing the master and kept what he had. Two understood the grace of God, that God honors faithfulness. And this guy totally, totally missed that. And 1 John, this is the verse we use Wednesday night, 1 John chapter 4, 18 19. There is no fear in love. If you truly understand how God sees you, there's no fear in that, guys. If you walk around this, this fear relationship, I'm talking about reverence, I'm not talking about worship. I'm talking you're just afraid of God. You're just afraid he's going to zap you. You know, if you tell a lie, you know, if you don't have a quiet time, if you miss church, if that's how you live life, there's no, there's no, there's no love in that. There... There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Why? Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love, does not understand the power of God's love. And then we love him because he first loved us. So, so this guy totally did not understand his master's heart. He saw him as a harsh man. As a hard man, he served him. Any, any service he did was out of fear. And he was so paralyzed by his fear of failure that he buried what he had instead of using it. It's just a twisted, twisted picture of the relationship that God wants to have with his people. He never intends that kind of relationship. I mean, never. It's not what he intended. Now, for the lost man, that's true. I'm talking about his children. I'm talking about his children. Let me read to you a, a quote from the uh, commentary. 
In contrast, the third servant who had received one talent played it safe by burying his talent and waiting for his master's return. His life failed to realize any impact or gain for his master. He demonstrated an appalling lack of understanding of his master. He clearly did not know him very well. Too many so-called believers fail to believe the Lord enough to obey him, revealing a lack of faith through passive spirituality and failure to step out in risky obedience. So many believers today are afraid to trust the Lord. So afraid of his displeasure that they miss pleasing him. So, so we have this guy showing up. The money's still back here. And then, then the master speaks to him. Now listen to the harshness. Verse 26. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. I know that sounds harsh, but remember who's speaking these words. It's representative of Jesus Christ. Now, apparently, and again, this, this is supported by the commentaries I read, that this was a smoke screen. The man threw up a smoke screen and said, Oh God, I was afraid to do this because I knew you were a hard man and you'd punish me if I failed. It was a smoke screen. Notice that word, wicked. Do you ever wonder why he didn't put it in the bank? I mean, later on, the, guys, the Lord's going to say, You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And then at my coming, I would have received my money back with interest. I mean, you should at least have done that. You know, I'm not the only one who thinks this. But you know why he probably didn't? See, some of you know what I'm going to say. Understand what I'm going to say. If you do side jobs and you take the cash under the table, what does that mean? It means you get cash, it's unreported income, and there's no record. If he had put his money in the bank, there had been a record. But just in case the master didn't come back, there was no record of this money. It was his to keep. So it apparently, and I'm not stretching it, apparently the Lord, who is the picture of the Christ, in this wicked part is saying, I see you through your smoke screen. This was all about you wanting what is mine. You wanting what is mine. And then he used that word lazy. I'm afraid to go there. I mean, everyone, you know, this is like a, tonight's kind of like a shopping list before the message next week because every one of us have gift and talents. Oh, listen, all of us have the privilege in some capacity to serving the Lord. And we should never let laziness be a reason not to serve. Come on, come on. We should never let laziness be a reason not to serve. You know, some people, you know, people tell me, well, I'm too busy. I don't know any unbusy people these days. We're all busy. But you've got talents and abilities, and I hope you need to pray that God will guide me this week in developing the sermon. Because believe me, it's not developed because of the change. That God will guide and direct me so I can help us understand God's word about how he wants to use us in his kingdom. And look at me. Every one of us needs to be used. Everybody wants to be used, needs to be used, and God wants to use everyone. So, apparently this guy's heart was bad, and then Jesus said, you're just lazy. You're just lazy. And, and you knew that I reap. He threw his own words back on him. You knew that I reap where I had not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. And you should have put the money in the bank. And then he says, 
take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten. And he explains why in verse 29. For to everyone who has, more will be given. God rewards faithfulness. I want to be very careful. Like I say guilt's a poor motivator, so I hope you're not feeling guilty. Um, that's not my point tonight. Um, but I want you to know something. You know, I, I truly believe that we don't conform to, anger, to gain God's favor. But God honors faithfulness. I can't explain it to you. But when we're faithful with our money, it just seems like what we got left goes further. I've said that a long time. Because I don't want you to think, oh, oh, well, I have to, to give to make God. I'm just telling you, there are some things that God, oh, God blesses obedience. That's all I'm trying to tell you. I'm just trying to tell you, like, in the area of giving, when we're faithful in our giving, it just seems He blesses. No promise no intended. No, you know, give me five and God will give you ten. God just blesses obedience. I don't know. It's just He just does. And so, to everyone who has, more will be given. And He will have, what? An abundance. And again, not money. God says, if you, if you are faithful, I'll give you more responsibilities. More opportunities to serve. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken. And then verse 30 closes out. And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now how many of y'all think I wrestled with this? Do you see the conflict? We, we see the words, his servants, his goods... But there's a problem. Every, well, two out of the three commentaries, and by the way, you can say, why do you keep mentioning commentaries? Because I'm guilty of plagiarism. That's why. Two of the three commentaries said, severed the relationship. Now, let me tell you something. I'm not sure I can explain what that means, where it says, cast the unprofitable servant out of darkness. But I do know this, that this book teaches the eternal security of the true believer. If we are saved by grace, we are held by grace. And my salvation does not depend on my ability to keep it. Of that, I'm certain. So we take what we know and let it be the overarching principle. But there are two possibilities. One is, and it's probably not a very good picture, to be honest with you, is a, is a harsh picture of those at the judgment seat of Christ who are not faithful. That's just a possibility. But the scary reality is it is possible that this person that's called a servant was in the church but not saved. Never saved. That's scary. You know my testimony. For 20, 21 years, I went to church three times a week. Don't worry about them. Look at me. I don't mind them. I mind you not looking. For 21 years, I went to the church as a lost man. 21 years. I went to church three times a week. I gave money. I sang a choir. I sang a gospel group. I even led worship to David. But I was lost. I was lost. So the scary part is that even this guy was somehow a servant. He was never part of the family. And he was cast out. His true colors were revealed at a time of judgment. Mark, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 7. I want you to listen to the and we want to soften this, but we can't. Not everyone 
who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that time, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name? Done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. We even have an example in the book of Acts where a man did something in the power of Satan and not in the power of God. See, Satan being a powerful, most powerful God, but Satan's powerful, he too can perform sorts of miracles. We see this at the end times. In the book of Revelation, all kind of miracles are done by the power of Satan. So just because a person goes to church, sings, and does all kind of cool things, that's not the confident proof. It's a proof, but not confident proof that they're a believer. This is what's confident proof you're a believer. I am sure that I preach to several, several lost people every Sunday. Just like my pastor preached to me for 21 years. Be sure of your election. The woe part of this is it'd be terrible to die without Jesus Christ. Perhaps, please know my heart. Perhaps the reason there's no fruit is because there's no root. Perhaps the reason there's been no change is because there's no change. And perhaps God is calling you today to a relationship. So there's a wow factor. A wow factor that one day we get to stand before Jesus and say, Jesus, this is what you gave me and this is what I did with it. Well done, good and faithful servant. You know, I'll make you rule over many things. Enter to the joy of your Lord. Faithfulness. But there's that wow factor. You know what the first sermon I ever preached was entitled? Do you know that you know that you know that you've been born? And tonight I ask that question. Do you know that you know that you know that you've been born? Would you bow your head like So Dwayne, what's the take home tonight? Well, the take home is, is that God loves us and knows us very well. And, and he will not put more on you than you can handle, nor will he give you less than you can handle. The he who created you knows exactly how you can do and what you can do for his kingdom. He calls us in faith to step out and to believe him. Next week, as you pray for me, and as I spend time in the word this week, pray that God will show it. Dwight, what does that mean? How can I discover what God has for me to do in kingdom work? What does God have for me to do in view of kingdom work? That's the first thing. The second take home is this, is that God loves you and sent his son Jesus Christ to die. And the only ticket to heaven is going to be Jesus Christ. And I ask you to examine your heart tonight and make sure you know that you know that you know that you've been born again. Our, our worship leader's son discovered at uh, Super Summer that he had not truly trusted Jesus Christ. And he was born again and baptized just a couple of weeks ago. How awesome is that? So, Father, thank you for the privilege of sharing this word tonight. Thank you that you're a God who knows us so very well. 
And you have called us into your glorious service. Father, as you have equipped us, may we live up to the potential that you see in us. 100%. May we understand the great joy of serving you in kingdom work. God, we need your help. Show us this week and hopefully the sermon next week as we look into your word. Teach us and show us, Father, how we can know what our gifts and talents are, how you've equipped us, and then how we should use those in your body of Christ. And God, this is a great crowd tonight, good number, good people. Most of them I know, but I also know the people knew me that day when I stood before the congregation and told them that this day, that day, I met Jesus. So if there's someone here tonight who needs to experience your grace and salvation, may tonight be that night. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.